spirit of worship, but uh, as being a good Amish Mennonite, uh, German blood, of course, the, the Sunday that I have to preach, they have to finish with a song where you have to clap and you have to try to stay on beat and you can't really focus on how you want to start your message. So I would like to thank you for, for me- so if, if this is a flop, it's on the worship team. Uh, but no, this morning, I'm, I'm excited to, to share uh, what I feel God has laid on my heart to share. It's a talk that I, was, uh, that I was asked to give a couple weeks back at a conference called the Boost Conference, which is for businesses. And I was asked to give it in the context of, well, the title they gave me was Creating a Vision That's Larger Than Yourself, uh, Living a Life of Impact, of Significance. And I, they had asked that I build it around what we're doing with 61 Surplus and Mission Thrift and how business looks as a model of, of living a life of, of significance, of worship to, to Christ. And so that's where the talk the, uh, that, that I feel God has laid on my heart comes from. And I wanted to share that because in about in the middle of the message, I'll be sharing some slides from, or a couple photos from 61 and Mission. So just that they make sense to you while all of a sudden you're seeing a couple slides uh, hop up there. Uh, so yeah, this morning we want to look at significance and internal impact. Uh, and, and our Sunday school, there, when you look at Ecclesiastes, there's probably not a greater example than, than Solomon of a man that started with vision, building the temple. I mean, if he would have stayed true to, to, who, to what God had asked him to do, he would have shown the whole world the living God. But he got lost in a series of making compromising decisions and ended, ended up living for himself and ended up being disillusioned. And he starts Ecclesiastes with meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. And he, and he just keeps going back to there's nothing new under the sun. Um, and it's just a, it's a sad story of a man with such great power and wisdom uh, having lost his way. And that's a little bit where I wanted to start with just because of what, who, where we're going through with Sunday school. Uh, but I'm convinced that every person, whether Christian or, or not, has three fundamental questions that, that they need answered, and that is, do I belong? Uh, to those that know me the best in all my insecurities, failures, weaknesses, do I belong? Uh, the other one is, do I have what it takes? And the other one that we, we want to build off of, bring those in, but do I make a difference? Do I have, will I, when I pass away, will I have left an impact? And I'm convinced that, and I have to be careful here because there's people now that know me here. That was the fun part about giving this, uh, and I think Kendrick knows where I'm going with. Uh, it, the, the Saturday that I gave this talk, literally a bunch of my friends, about 12 of them, were literally out running an ultra marathon. And I had the privilege of standing up there and using a running analogy and pretending like at, at whatever point I want to, I can just go out and run an ultra marathon. And so here I have to be a little bit more careful. But as we look at living a life of significance, I'm convinced that it happens in community. Um, and I wanted to, to use an example. About, about six years ago, uh, I was, Dawn and I had joined the Pure Gift of God board, and we began using, somehow it just sort of came together where we began using the Columbus Marathon as a fundraiser, and my friends started running, and I was not a runner. I don't think I could run a mile without walking, uh, and, 
I was like Kendrick and Derek and a bunch, Matt, a bunch of guys. They started running, and I started, you just observe, and you realize, like, they're, like, I can't do that. There's something inviting about it, and I'm not, like, and and you just sort of watch, and they just, uh, and I I still remember sitting on the couch one day and thinking, man, I wonder if I could do a marathon. Like, let's not worry about the half. Yeah, I can't run a mile right now, but let's, and I just got off, I decided, you know what? I got off, I still remember getting off the couch, walking over to the computer, and signing up for a full marathon. And as soon as I hit confirm, I was like, oh, four-letter word that we won't use here. Uh, But the next day, I got out there, and I think that was a Saturday, because Sunday I got out there at the track, and I ran a couple miles for my first run. I, when I say ran, I walked, and I ran, and I walked, and I, well, I use the word run very loosely. Uh, But Throughout that summer, I did work. I worked hard. I, I mean, I worked hard. And it was in a basis of community. Yeah, I wasn't running their pace, but it was in the basis of, of, of community, having other people around me. Um, and I still remember that fall at the Columbus Marathon, and anyone that's run, uh, making that right-hand turn, seeing that arch, and it's like seeing the like, it's like seeing the pearly gates. Uh, it is, like, you know logically, like, it's not that great, maybe in the greater scheme of life, but man, it feels like you've just like, accomplished something. And, and as I look back at that, like, there is that, that sense of community around you, of pushing you, of, of forcing, like, and it forces you to accomplish more than you can accomplish alone. Um, and, and, and I think running makes a, it makes a great example here for something much greater and that is our, our walk here on earth uh, as followers of Christ. And, and if we want to accomplish anything of significance, we have to surround ourselves with people that are radical, that are crazy about, about Christ. They're willing to go anywhere, do anything, do whatever it takes of surrounding yourself with, with people that are just passionate about Jesus Christ. Uh, otherwise, just like Solomon, we'll lose ourselves. Um, and I, honestly, I, I, as I was thinking like, of, of how I wanted to craft this, now talking to uh, Providence here, I, I, I was struck by where our church is, where our church is going, the people that, that are here, and, and seeing their, uh, their hunger and their passion for Christ has really been something that has, in the last couple months that has really stood out to me of, of just seeing that hunger and that passion. Uh, I think, honestly, I'm just going to use Tim as a, an example here. I could use Marcus too. Uh, those are the two that I thought of. But when Tim started leading worship here and from where he was there to where he's not, like, there is a hunger and a passion to lead worship in Tim in a way that really magnifies Christ. And that has really come out. And to see him grow in that, to, to at our leadership meetings, hear him like what he's processing, what he's praying about. Like it, it, it does something to when you're around that of, of like, yeah, let's go further. Let's go deeper. Um, and so as we, we really look at our day-to-day lives, it's so important, significant to surround ourselves with people that are, that are passionate about, about Jesus Christ and, and to be a church. Uh, and that's my prayer, that Providence would be a church that is just, man, we're willing to go wherever it takes to uh, make the name of Jesus Christ known. Uh, 
So that was my running analogy, and yeah, I won't, I won't pretend to be able to. I did sign up for an ultra marathon, but it's one that, uh, that uh, I can drop out before I reach the ultra marathon stage. But, but you know, that's the beauty of having people that push you. You just keep, you keep going further. Uh, so this morning, I wanted you to think around build a, a community, but my prayer with this talk, the next couple minutes that we have, is that you would see your, your everyday life, your business, if you, if you own a business, your vocation, your job, uh, as an act of worship. Whatever your day-to-day is, in that moment itself, it's not just a secular sacred divide, but your, your job is actually an act of worship. Uh, being created in the image of God means we're called to create, to restore, to cultivate, to build. And that's what, that's what your work is. Um, and if you're, if you're a mom, it's not just, your role is not just significant because you're a mom and you're raising kids. It's actually an act of worship. Uh, teaching, nurturing, caring, loving. Like, they're acts of worship. And I think when we, when we begin to see our vocation, our business, our day-to-day life, being a mom, whatever it is, as an act of worship, we allow God, we allow Christ to call us into something much greater than just going through the act, going through the mundane, making us a secular, sacred divide. And, and instead, of, instead of church or whatever, instead of us like saying, of the, oh, how do I want to say it, but the, the businessman knowing like his everyday life isn't quite as sacred as the church life, it, it creates a gap there. And when he sees that as an act of worship, it allows God to move through him and use his business, use his job or her uh, in, a, in a much greater impactful way to the, uh, to the community and to a world at large. So that's my prayer uh, today, that you would see your job, your business, uh, being a mom as an act of worship, because I think it really changes how we, how we uh, think about life and, and the impact that we'll make. Um, David, if you want to put up the scripture, there's, uh, I want it to, in, in building out this idea of, of living a life of significance, there's this powerful moment in Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20, and it's simply uh, the call when Jesus called Peter. And there's a couple things in here that I, really, uh, that I feel are foundational to living a life of, of significance that's larger than ourselves, uh, And I'm just going to read the three verses here. It's Matthew 4, 18 through 20. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. Uh, there's, there's two key things. The first one is Jesus walking along, and he, and he calls out to them, and he says, come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And I wanted to, to look at the example of, of Peter being called by Jesus here. Before Peter was Peter, before he was the rock that Jesus would establish, established the church upon. Before he was the leader of the church and the great things that he accomplished, he was a commercial fisherman. 
and he was, a, he was rough around the edges. He was young. He wasn't developed. He wasn't trained. Um, and Jesus, knowing all of this, knowing that, that Peter would d- uh, doubt him, would lose his temper, would fail, and at the end, with the, the rooster crowing, would deny him. Jesus, knowing all of this, before Peter was worthy of being believed in, he reached out and he invited him in. He called him out. And there is something so powerful in that moment of, of Jesus reaching out and calling Peter in before Peter was worthy of being believed in. Because at this moment, he was worth being believed in because he was created in the image of God, but he wasn't worthy of being believed in yet. Um, and, and I think if, if I'm honest, and probably if all of us are honest, at some point, someone reached out to us and believed in us in some maybe big way, some in, almost insignificant way, but invited us into, saw something in us before we saw it in ourselves. And that's what Jesus is doing with Peter here. Uh, for myself, uh, and maybe I should use example, but with, when I gave this talk originally, there were people with PhDs and stuff there, so that was a little bit intimidating. This is a little bit easier because we more or less have eighth grade educations. There's a couple people here that went above that. Good for you. But uh, at my eighth grade graduation, um, there were a couple hundred people there, and uh, the teacher, you know, this was a big moment, and, and I want to be careful how I say this. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. But as I went up to get my diploma, uh, he said, uh, that Brent has the potential to be a great leader, but he has to be very careful not to lead people into the ditch. Um, and, you know, that has, when I look back, has impacted my life. Uh, because what, what I need, he's, he was right. Like, I do have, a, probably do have a tendency to lead people into the ditch because at least, like, we're, we're trying to get somewhere fast and be, you know, but, uh, uh, but, but what I, I mean, I couldn't even grow peach fuzz yet for crying out loud. What I needed was someone to say, to, to, to see who I could be before I was there. And, and that impact, like, as I look back, it impacted like, of me saying, you know what, I don't need you. Uh, I, can, I can figure out how to do this on myself. I can become significant. Um, I can create value on my own. And I pushed people away in my determination to prove that I could do it on my own. Um, and part of that is also maybe personality. I don't want to blame it all on that mom, but I want to, like, it was a significant moment when I needed someone just to, like, yeah, that's who you are, but I can see who you're going to become uh, or the potential to become. And that's what Jesus is doing to Peter here. And, you know, if I look at an example where that happened, and it's, it, like, he's probably not even aware of it. He's since become a really good friend. But I'm just going to use the example of uh, Luke, Luke Kepfer. At, I think I was about 21 years old. I went to Asia for a mission trip. And there, we just had a small team. And there was something, like, where Luke didn't do it to me individually. But he created a culture that when we went there, that I felt that he was looking past who I was right now and, and the, maybe the perception or the image that I was giving off of saying, you know, like, aloof, I don't need, I don't need you, I can, you know, whatever that, he, he looked past that, and he said, and he invited you into something greater, something bigger, and he saw who you could become. He, uh, and and, 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 and I, as I look back, like, that moment, that, those four weeks radically changed 
my life, uh, of who I am today. Uh, having someone before I'm worthy of, of it, believing in me. And not even like, like not even one-on-one, but just creating that culture, believing in people. And that's the first thing that, uh, that Jesus did. And when I look at creating a life of significance, when we do that, when we believe in someone, it's not about setting low standards. It's about having high standards. But we, and when we do that, we bring a wholeness to that person. And, and in the same t- at the same pro- time, we bring a wholeness to ourselves. When we, when we see who people could become and we invite them in, not only do we bring a wholeness to them, but to ourselves as well and in, in living a life that's larger than ourselves. Uh, and the other thing, Peter's response uh, in verse 20 and they left their nets at once and went with him. Peter didn't say, but this, but this, this, that, that. You know, or he didn't make any excuses. At once, they followed Jesus. And I think looking at a life of significance, of making an impact, it's being faithful with, who, with what you have in your hand today. It's being faithful with today. It's about moving forward today. We can't change the past. We can, through Christ, we can, redeem, we can bring redemption and healing to the past, and we can't control the future, but we can give God what we have today. And I think this, this is what Peter did, and through, throughout all of Scripture, when we look at Elisha following the call of Elijah, call, and on and on and on, like, immediately they sold their plows and went. Uh, give God today. That, I think for, for us, what Peter did here, this is the core of, of living a life of significance is giving God your today. It's not worrying about the past uh, and it's not trying to control the future. It's about being faithful with what you have today. And in God's economy, this is the beauty. Our life, when we come to that, it won't be measured by the size of our business. It won't be measured by the size of the church you led. And it won't be... It won't be it, the missional mo- movement that you started in God's economy, the size of of what you established isn't what's relevant. It's were you faithful with what you had today? And I wanted to use three examples in this of of what it means to live a life of significance from the small perspective. Because I think we're used to looking at saying, if I would ask you who. Who in God's kingdom was significant or is significant? We would say names like Billy Graham. We would look in scripture. We look at the Pauls and the Peters. I'm looking at Peter here. But we, we look at these great men or women. Um, but in three examples, the one was, is the leper uh, that went back. And uh, there are ten lepers. And the one went back and thanked him. If you look at who a leper was, a leper had lost everything. It lost family, occupation, status, everything, identity, had nothing left to give. But in that moment of being healed, he had one thing to give that day, and that was thank you. That's a life of significance. Uh, the other is the woman with the two mites. Um, she had, that's all she had to give. That's what she had that day to give. That's significance in God's economy. And the, the third example I wanted to look at is the thief on the cross, the one that, that worship Jesus, not the other one. But in that moment, what, I don't know how much time you have on a, on a cross. Maybe Marcus knows. I don't know. But uh, is it minutes, hours? I'm not sure. But anyway, the point is, in that moment, he acknowledged 
and worship Jesus. He gave everything he had that day in worshiping Jesus. And that's a life of significance. Uh, and if, 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 if that's all we have to do is what the thief on the cross did, we have to give God our today. We have to give him our business. We have to give him our family, what we have to give today. Um, and if you just want David, if you want to put the photos of 61 up, um, I think this is where our stories start, all of ours, like just what we gave today. And uh, I don't know if you can see them or not. That's okay. But this is where our story at 61 Surplus starts. And I'm not going to spend much time on them. You, you guys know them better than the other, but 61 is an orphan care-based ministry where all our proceeds go to orphan ministries. But we literally started at 61 without a business plan, we started it with a home equity line, just all of us verbally promising that if this thing tanks, we all just figure out how to pay it back uh, to the poor guy that took out the home equity line. And uh, I'm not sure where the idea came from. To, honestly, if I look, when I look back at uh, doing it from a uh, doing a for-profit as a non-profit, somewhere along the line, we just decided to do that, uh, and that's where our journey has started. Where uh, and we'll see where it ends up. But um, uh, we started in Millersburg. Uh, 1,100 square foot store, $300 a month rent with no contract. And they had a tree growing into it from the outside. It had weeds growing into it. So we had to get in there and put in the blood, sweat, and tears and get this thing going. I remember when we got our first semi-load in, we didn't know what to expect. We just knew that this is where the bulk of our finances had gone. And if this sucker tanks, uh, we're going down with it. And we opened up that trailer, and the first thing we saw was a pallet of old Diet Dr. Pepper. And there, again, uh, some, for, uh, some language maybe that isn't uh, beneficial to the pulpit. And anyway, long story short, as we worked through that load, that's how God started our journey off. But we got enough good product that we're still operational um, today. You can go to the other two. Uh, uh, so that was just wanting to do a little example of... of where it started. We now have two stores in Berlin, about, I don't know, is it 12, 13,000 square feet? You can just go through those. That's the downtown. Again, like I said, you guys know this story better than when I go to the next slide. And, uh, oh, that was when Lily and Samson were little kids. That's always been one of the fun things about 61 is being able to bring our, I know Lily told me I'm not allowed to use her name up here, but I did. <laughs> but one of the fun things that ha- about 61 has been being able to pull our kids into it and having them come alongside the journey. Uh, almost whatever toy is new, they used to get to, to ride. You remember when those little, like little, you stand on them, you lean forward, and you sh- when those things were in uh, the rage before they started blowing up, we used to ride, they used to fly all over the store with those or scooters or whatever. But you can go to the next shot. And, uh, and that's our other, where if you're not, just as a plug, if you're not familiar with our new warehouse store, by the thrift store in Sharon Care, you can go check that one out. Anyway, so that's a freebie. Uh, you can go to the next slide. But anyway, so the story, that's where 61 started. We honestly, using the example of, uh, of giving God whatever we have today, we didn't have much when we started, but since then we've sold a couple million dollars worth of, oh, anything you can think of. We've worked in, we've been able to work with projects in, uh, I'd written it down here somewhere. <sighs> Sorry. U.S., Myanmar, Uganda, Kenya, Cambodia, Thailand, Nicaragua, etc. Uh, so, but it all started with giving God what we had today, which wasn't much at that time. 
Three years ago, we, had, we felt God calling us. That's orphan care-based ministry. We felt God calling us to start something in the thrift category that would be community-based, work with at-risk kids. So that's where Mission Thrift came from. Um, and like I said, I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Uh, but our goal with Mission Thrift is, and I want to build the idea of, of a life of significance around identity with this, our goal with 61, or sorry, Mission Thrift is to eventually grow it into, our God dream is into a couple hundred stores uh, where we're strategically partnering with churches, nonprofits that are working, that have relationships in the community, and then us being able to come alongside and helping them from a financial resource perspective. Now, the reason I want to, sh- and, and so we've built a business model and a business plan around that idea. Um, and right now, actually, we have a verbal agreement from their lawyers to start our second store in Worcester, down by the Aldi's Bell Stores area. Um, and so that's, that's, our, that's our prayer. We might end up with one store. We might end up with two stores. I don't know, but that's our God dream. And whether I, we end up with one store, that can't... The point I want to make with that is my identity, because like, I shared my God dream with you guys. So if we end up with one store, you're going to be looking like... Or maybe it even... Event, 10 years from now doesn't even exist. You might like, think back when, remember when Brent gave that message and he said they want to have like 300 stores by the, uh, t- in 30 years from now and they don't even have a store. Huh, what a, my identity can't be caught up in my failure. At the same time, let's just say God just blows the doors off and we create our God dream and we have 500 stores. My identity can't be bought, caught up in our success. It has to be... Like, it, that, our failures and success cannot control uh, how, we, how we view ourselves if we want to live a life of significance. Anyway, I feel like I did not do justice to that, uh, but that is, uh, that's, yeah, that's what the basis of the talk was around. And I just want to very briefly, before I close it, touch on family. All, like, we get so caught up with work and you know, there was a point in 61 and Mission Thrift, especially 61, that if we would not have been there doing the day-to-day grind of the work, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have went on. Um, we've since then, like, we can step out now for months at a time if we want to, and the stores keep going because uh, we've built systems around that. But family, as you obviously know, is not like that. Uh, that's, and, and if you want to know who you really are, I've sadly discovered this. If, if you want to teach serving leadership over in your workplace and you want to look if you actually believe in serving leadership, look at how you respond when you're at home in your family. And I can give you many examples. It was easier at the Boost Conference because my family wasn't there of uh, failures and uh, of in frustration grabbing plates of food when my wife wasn't there and firing them at the wall and telling them to go clean that up or eat it and uh, realizing that that was, I, I never told you that, but realizing that was, is not the, you know, that's not, uh, I did make it, I did make it right. My kids still love me. But in those moments of frustration, like, you want to see who you really are? Look at how you respond in your family and not where, I, like, up here, I can just say whatever I want to and you guys think, like, man, he's got his act together. But I guess I just told you I don't. Uh, that was a year ago. If that would have happened last week, I would not have told you that. Uh, but anyway, uh, sorry. 
I lost. I want to touch on one thing with family yet. And, uh, and I stole this from Marcus, but I didn't give him credit at the top. But I think when we look at family, the example that we have from Jesus is Jesus is, the, the example that he gave is the church is his bride. And he's, he's the leader. And when we look at Jesus, he empowered his bride to go out and change the world. If you're, a, if you're a father here, if you're a husband here, and you really want to change the world, you want to live a life of impact, of significance that's greater than yourself, the example that Jesus gave us is foundational to the example of what we can take to our family as a leader of empowering our wives, knowing, knowing their dreams, knowing their heart, knowing what they care about, what they're passionate about, and coming alongside and lifting them up and empowering them and empowering those dreams and not making it about them coming alongside us and lifting our dream up and what we want to accomplish in our significance. That's the example Jesus gave. And so I think that has to translate over into our family of leading our bride. And then, uh, uh, and so if you want to be a leader, empower your, your wife and engage your kids. See where I took that? So I didn't give him credit for that. But, but bring your kids alongside the journey. Engage them. Don't just like, ignore them. And it's so easy to do. Um, but your family has to be first in living a life of impact. Conclu- so wrapping it up, I really wanted to bring it back to Jesus, the example that he gave. And I wanted to close with, I put the wrong... Sorry, I got to find John thirteen, verse three. Uh, it's a, the Passover celebration. Uh, Jesus knows that his hour has come. Judas has just be, uh, the devil has just entered Judas, and he's about to betray him. And in verse three, Jesus says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. And I want. The example that Jesus gives here is so powerful. 33 years before uh, Jesus was born in an inconsequential town, I know I used this in my message before, but in an inconsequential town, in an inconsequential stable, to inconsequential parents. He lived 30 years of obscurity, of relatively unknown, and in the three years of his ministry, uh, and and by his words he says that he had no place to to put his head. He had no home. He lived, he, he lived as a religious outsider. Um, and in the, in the very moment that the Father, in verse 3 here, where Jesus truly knows who he is, what his, perp- what his purpose, his identity is, the Father gives him all authority. And he can, like at this moment, he's 33 years of, of, of not, you know, of, of obscurity or persecution or, or hardship and at this moment he has all authority and his first act that he does with all authority as a human the only person that's ever lived with all authority the first act that scripture says that he did, did was he took off his his robe filled a basin of water and got down and washed his disciples feet he's uh his, so his first act was serving i mean think about that his first act as all having all authority from the Father was to
to serve was to wash his disciples' feet and then from there go to the cross. Uh, And and so for us, as we look at living a life of significance, uh, it's as simple as seeing every day as an opportunity to serve, to serve our family, to serve our church, to serve our employees, our co-workers, an opportunity to serve and to sacrifice on their behalf and not look at using people to fulfill our purposes, what we want. And, And when we do this bit by bit, God, the Holy Spirit, will begin to put uh, just that day-to-day being faithful, uh, bit by bit it will be put together and we'll live a life of significance uh, that will leave an eternal impact. Thank you. Chris, if you want to close.